Okay, we're pleased to uh, wrap up this conference uh, this morning uh, with the Speaker of the House of uh, South Carolina, Bobby Harrell, uh, who was instrumental in getting their measure through the legislature to success. Indeed, it was, uh, what, 87 to 13, 86 to 13, which in, uh, I, I guess you'd like to have those numbers uh, when you run for office. Uh, it took 83 votes to pass it. Oh, took 83 votes to pass it, I'm told. Okay, um, Bobby Harrell is a um, graduate of the University of South Carolina, where he earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration. He and his wife, Kathy, uh, have run an, a, a state farm insurance agency for more than 25 years in South Carolina. He was first elected to the House of Representatives in the state in 1992, and from there it's been an upward movement. Uh, he was appointed to the House Ways and Means Committee in 1994, elected to serve as Majority Leader in 1997. Uh, he served as Chairman of the Economic Development and Public Education Subcommittees of the Ways and Means Committee. He's uh, become um, the House Ways and Means Committee Chairman in 1999. After only seven years in politics, he was elected South Carolina Speaker to the House in 2005 by his fellow legislatures. Uh, I'm also pleased to note that um, he um, uh, was named by the South Carolina Association of Taxpayers as Friends of the Taxpayer in both 2000 and in 2005. I assume he didn't fall off the wagon in the intervening years, but uh, <laughs> but rather they had to give it to someone else during that. But in any event, uh, he is a friend of the taxpayer in South Carolina and a friend of property rights uh, uh, people, too. Would you welcome, please, Speaker Bobby Harrell. Thank you. Roger, thank you very much. Um, thanks for the opportunity to talk today to talk a little bit about property rights, an issue that, frankly, is incredibly important uh, to me, to me personally. Um, and thank you, Roger, for the opportunity to be here with the Cato Institute, particularly doing that. Uh, before I talk a little bit about property rights and our legislation and what we did, though, I want to tell you how much I appreciate the Cato Institute in particular. This institution is a... a a compass for conservative thought. You guys here put out papers, ideas. You put together things that help folks who generally agree with you to articulate the case better. Um, you provide an invaluable service for folks with conservative leanings in this in this country, and it's just. I really deeply appreciate the fact that you exist and that you're here and that you fight the fight. Uh, day in and day out. You know, there's this thing about conservatives and liberals and who cares more about people and all of that. I don't know how many of y'all saw the John Stossel interview on um, O'Reilly's show the other night, but he actually did a little thing where he set up a, a um, Salvation Army pot in front of a very um, exclusive store in San Francisco where a lot of real rich folks went in, high numbers of people went in, and set one up in Des Moines, Iowa in front of a department store there that had fewer people going in and much lower incomes going in. And the Des Moines, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa um, Salvation Army pot had twice as much money in it as the San Francisco pot had in it. So when folks talk about not having uh, conservatives not caring, uh, that's just not the reality, frankly. And you guys, the way that you are constantly pushing those ideas, I think is just particularly helpful to continue to advance 
uh, this pro- thought process. You have a sister organization of short- sorts called the Policy Council in South Carolina that issues similar papers, similar ideas on conservative thought, particularly as it relates in South Carolina. Um, I'm a member of that organization and, frankly, appreciate the work that they do down there, too. Uh, there's a farmer in Charleston County, southern Charleston County, who used to own a bull. He loved the bull. He had um, all kinds of ribbons, a remarkable animal. But one night in the middle of the night, a pack of wolves came out of the woods and attacked and killed the bull. Later on in the evening, eating the bulls, howling at the moon, yelping and yapping with one another, making all kinds of racket, and unfortunately they woke the farmer up. The farmer got a shotgun, went out in the pasture to see what was happening, shot and killed all the wolves dead. The moral of the story is if you're full of bull, keep your mouth shut. You guys are not full of bull. You guys are full of truth, and I really do appreciate deeply uh, what you do on a, on a daily basis. Property rights, property rights are principles upon which this country was founded. It has played a major role from the earliest settlers uh, to the folks who settled the western frontier to, uh, to today's modern homeowner. It's a right that has to be cherished, and it needs to be vigorously defended. In my opinion, it is the bedrock, the basis of the American dream. Every American family aspires to own its own home. But as once was said, a government big enough to give you whatever you want is also big enough to take away whatever it wants. And that's what the Kelo case was about, as far as I'm concerned. And I can tell you that the Kelo case sent shockwaves throughout this country, sent shockwaves throughout South Carolina as well. Um, I think it was Mr. Anderson a little earlier today told you all that uh, 34 states have enacted some kind of eminent domain-related legislation as a result of that, 17 of them passing major initiatives as a a result of the Kelo case. I think it's just plain un-American for a government to go in and take somebody's home if the reason, particularly if the reason for doing that is simply because they believe they can get more tax revenue if they change the way it's zoned, change the way that it's operated, they can get some more money somewhere else, so that's a reason to do it. I think that's un-American, and I think, well, in South Carolina, we just plain decided we had to do something to make absolutely sure that that could not happen. So before the session started, our, the House Republican Caucus met, We talked about our agenda in general, and we decided to make eminent domain one of our major agenda items as we began the year. Um, Before the session started, we all got together and said that we needed to change the law. But frankly, even more than that, we needed to change the Constitution. We needed to make it clear that constitutionally the right to own property was protected. So we put together an interesting coalition in the House. You see, As Roger said, it passed with 86 votes, but a constitutional amendment in South Carolina requires two-thirds of those of the um, body, not just those present voting, to vote in favor of it in order to put it on the ballot. That's 83 votes in South Carolina. There's 74 Republicans, and not all of them agreed on this issue. So we had to put together a coalition to get it done. The coalition we put together was interesting. It was the House Republican Caucus and the House Black Caucus. Because folks who are African-American understood that particularly in South Carolina, where you got a lot of folks who were slaves and now live on that land, and it's been passed down from generation to generation, a lot of the folks really didn't have the intellectual wherewithal to be able to fight the fight that needed to be fought in order to protect it. 
The folks who represented them recognized the danger that black Americans, black South Carolinians were in if this allowed to be the law of the land. And that coalition came together. We were able to get 86 votes to pass it and passed it through the House of Representatives. Uh, A similar coalition was put together in the state Senate, and we got it on through the Senate. We worked hard, and the idea was to limit government's ability to take property. We dealt with the blight issue. We wanted to clearly define that you could only take property for a public use, not for just a public purpose. Huge difference. Uh, so we, we made it clear that it was only public use. And the third thing that we tried to do that, frankly, I'm a little disappointed in is we tried to include regulatory takings in our bill as well. It passed the House. That's part of why it only got 86 votes instead of like 110. But, um, but it passed the House. But we weren't able to get out of the Senate, and ultimately we couldn't get that done. I've been asked many times why I cared about regulatory takings, because I got very involved in that debate personally, because I think it makes a great deal of difference. Two brief, interesting stories about that. Somebody gave me a couple years ago for Christmas that little box set of Ronald Reagan's vignettes called Words from Reagan, in his own words or something like that. He has a little three-minute vignette in there that talks about California, talks about riding down an interstate. Is it Santa Monica Monica Freeway? Do you remember? Riding a Santa Monica Freeway, the beautiful vista of the ocean, and saying how gorgeous it was and how many people wanted to protect that. And his point in it was government has a right to protect that vista, but you ought to pay for it if you're going to protect that right, I mean, protect that vista. The second story is closer to home. Love the way I'm going to begin this. My wife's best friend is a lady named Kathy Gillespie. Kathy and Joe Gillespie, they live just a couple miles from us. My wife and she have been friends for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Kathy's mother passed away. They lived in a big white house with big, beautiful white columns on the corner of Magwood Road and Highway 61, which doesn't mean anything to y'all. Just believe me, it's a busy intersection. If you go close to the house, the house is center block, painted white, but the columns are majestic. There's a city ordinance in the city of Charleston, because we're a very old historic city that Sherman chose not to burn for some reason. Thank the Lord for that. But in any event, an old historic city that has an ordinance that says any building that's more than 75 years old cannot be torn down. This house is about 55 years old. So the city council person who represented that area thought that that beautiful house ought to stay there so people could enjoy the view of it forever going up and down this road. Before all this started happening, the real estate folks told Kathy and Joe Gillespie they'd be able to get $700,000 to $750,000 for the property because it was perfect for a convenience store. You can imagine the folks who wanted the house did not want a convenience store. They pushed through a change in the 75-year-old law to say that while 75 years applies in old, historic downtown Charleston on the peninsula, along the historic Highway 61 corridor, 50 years applies. They sold their property about six months ago for $200,000. It's just plain not right. I was terribly disappointed we couldn't get regulatory takings done, but we need to continue the fight. We may have to let it cool down a little bit, quite honestly, because it was a pretty heated fight. But we need to get back to the fight, and we need to fight, we need to fight for regulatory takings. Eminent domain passed the, the amendment, passed the, legislate, uh, passed the public with 86% of the vote. It was, we had five constitutional amendments on the ballot. It had the most votes of any of them including the marriage amendment that said marriage is between one man and one woman, which got 78% of the vote. More people voted to protect eminent domain once we got it on the ballot than voted 
to protect marriage, which really astounded me. I guess I better not go there. I might get in trouble if I made a comment on that. I better hush there. So I won't go any further with that one. Uh, But the point is, it was a very popular issue, apparently, among everybody. I think we made a major step forward in protecting people's property rights, particularly people's homes. There's another issue we dealt with that I'm going to touch on briefly with you because I think it's equally important, even though I don't know that it's entirely the venue that we're here today for. But we also believe there's another property right that ought to be dealt with, and that was how much people are being taxed. Property taxes are skyrocketing throughout this country. In South Carolina particularly, they were going up dramatically. So we wanted to put something out there to deal with that, and we passed a measure that said that uh, we would uh, basically cut home property taxes in half, cut sales tax on groceries from $0.05 cents to $0.03, cents, and put another constitutional amendment on the ballot that said for the rest of property tax purposes, in any reassessment year, the property couldn't go up more than 15% over what it had been before. The idea being trying to protect people's ability to stay in their, their homes over time. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, a small, small landowners are the most precious part of a state. We believe that very strongly, and I can tell you that our our homeowners are very, very happy uh, with the provision that we got through for them. We added a penny sales tax to, quote, unquote, pay for all of that. However, the penny sales tax didn't generate enough revenue to pay for all of that, so we actually ended up with a tax cut, which made a lot of us on our side of the aisle pretty happy, actually. That was the net effect of what we ended up doing. The question is, where do we go from here? Not just in South Carolina, but nationally. Property rights, cutting taxes, these are issues that Americans hold dear. We need to ensure excuse me, we need to ensure that positive legislation like this continues to pass. And I think there's three things we do to accomplish that. One, keep the faith. And Lord have mercy, am I hearing the faith being espoused in this room today? I don't think there's any question that we are all you all, we all are keeping the faith. Secondly, I think you identify and you help members who are already there, who are helping you advance the cause. My mama used to say all the time that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. If we identify folks who are helpful and we help those folks a lot more, I think that it it causes a a, a desire to participate by more people, and frankly, I I think it helps to make it easier as we continue the debate. Uh, The third thing is that we need to inform people on issues, and boy, is that your forte. Information to help articulate these issues, as I said earlier, is uh, something you guys are particularly good at here, and please continue to do it. I think that, the, that if we can all work together and stay focused on these goals, I think we can continue to advance this ball. The goal is to make this country a better place through freedom, democracy, and individual rights, and property owner rights are certainly an important part of that. Again, I really appreciate all the Cato Institute does on a regular basis, and thank you again, Roger, so much for inviting me to be with you today. Thank you. All right, Speaker Harrell has said he will take a few questions, and so why don't we again uh, open the uh, uh, room up for questions. Please identify yourself and any affiliation you may have, and... um, Raise your hand. You right here, uh, David Bowes. I am David Bowes with Cato. Um, you said you were not able to get regulatory takings through the House no, no, we, or the, through the Senate, right? But you're hopeful about that. What's the prospect? Is there a way of 
intellectually making a better case? Is there a way of changing who's in the Senate? Is the issue going to get more pointed? Is there any hope for moving it through the Senate? Um, I, I don't know is the most honest answer I can give you. Um, I think that we could fight the fight and probably force it through the House again. Um, 86 votes sounds like a lot, but when you realize it took 83, that really isn't a lot. I mean, it was a very close battle to get it done. I believe we could do that again if we decided to fight that fight. Frankly, before I go down that path again in the House and put a lot more blood on the floor, I want to talk to senators and see what the prospects are of trying to get it on through the Senate process. Um, and I've been having dialogues with senators. Um, the president of the Senate is a dear friend of mine who lives about three miles from me. So he and I talk very frequently with one another anyway. So I'm hoping that we – I'm hopeful you, you actually characterize that accurately. I'm hopeful, but I'm going to have to have conversations and see if it's possible and where we can go. Just, just wait for the uh, microphone, please. Would you speak in the microphone? What kind of honey did you use on the Senate? <laughs> developer interests in the Senate. What kind of honey would we use on the Senate? The Senate is up for re-election in two years. And my real point in that is that we just went through a contentious election battle with where members were targeted who didn't agree with particular issues. And I think the difficulty in going after people who don't agree with you as opposed to trying to really help people who do is that if you don't succeed in knocking those folks off, you just created an enemy for life. You know, the old saying, if you're going to set out to kill the king, you better kill the king. Um, I think the better route to try to get difficult legislation done, it, it's a longer view. It takes longer to accomplish it, granted. Well, I don't know if you... Compared to never getting it done, I guess it's not longer to get it done. Uh, but I just think that you, you accomplish things better if you, if you go about a manner of trying to work with people and encourage people who, believe, who agree with you and then try to – I say all the time, politics is not a, not a game of um, subtraction. It's a game of addition. The goal is to add more people to what you believe, and I think that's what, that's what needs to be done. I like to quote Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You get what you want out of life by helping other people to get what they want out of life. So I just think that that's a, a better route to go about trying to push issues you're trying to get done. Further questions? Do we have no further questions now that we've solved everything? They're hungry. Ah, they want to break for lunch. Okay, then let's break for lunch. And please uh, thank uh, Speaker Harold for being with us. Thank you.